0: I'm
1: and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie
1: Segretti. Here to help you with your home improvement projects, your do-it-yourself dilemmas, pick up the phone and give us a call at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Maybe you're planning an energy-saving home improvement. Maybe you're planning a decorating project. Maybe you've got a 10-foot couch and a nine-foot room and it just won't (laughs) fit. Well, we can help 888-666-3974. Hey, coming up this hour, we've got some tips to help you freshen up your home. If you're planning to do that, a steam cleaning is one way to get the job done. But before you rent the steam cleaner, you need to know how to get it done safely and without damaging your carpets. We're going to tell you in just a bit.
2: All right. Now, that's inside. When you want to clean outside, let me tell you, a pressure washer is your absolute best bet. But we want you to be prepared before you go ahead and start using. It is a very, very powerful tool, the pressure washer. And you will get beautiful results. But we want you to do it right. So we're going to have some tips in just a few minutes.
1: And the first tip is to use the pressure washer outside.
2: Exactly. And the steam
1: cleaner inside. Don't get that backwards because it, it may not work out so well, even though they're both fun tools to use. They really and, are. For your decor du jour tip today, your decorating tip of the day, why not create some glamour in the bathroom with some interesting lighting? We're going to tell you why a chandelier isn't just for your dining room anymore.
2: And one lucky caller that we talked to this hour is going to win a $50 prize pack of earth plastic paint cups and roller trays. Now, these are made from 100% biodegradable, totally recycled plastic water bottles. It's a great product, and it'll help you do a wonderful painting project.
1: So pick up the phone and give us a call right now 1888 Money Pit 888-666-3974. Let's get right to the phones.
2: Kathy in Florida needs some help with a window problem. Tell us about the situation.
0: I have a house, a home in Florida, and I think maybe the windows
2: lost their seal between the two panes of glass. Do okay. they look really foggy? Yes.
0: And what I'm wondering is, do you think it'd be more cost-effective to just replace the panes of glass, or do you think I should replace the entire window?
1: How old are the windows now, Kathy? Uh,
0: 14 years.
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah. Mm, pretty old. I will tell you this, that the uh, failed seal probably is not affecting your energy efficiency that much. It's mostly- it's just a cosmetic it,
2: issue, right? Yeah,
1: it's making it look pretty nasty, but it's probably not impacting efficiency. If you can't stand the look of it, um, I would probably vote to replace the entire window and not just to try to replace the glass panes themselves because windows have become so much more energy efficient today. You want to look look for Energy Star rated windows. And I think that's going to give you the best long-term solution here, because they're going to be super energy efficient, and they're not going to break down, and you can enjoy them.
2: Mm -hmm. And Kathy, you'll probably see a big
1: savings in your cooling costs.
0: Okay. What do you think um, would have created the break in the seal.
1: Um. What happens is that's a wear and tear issue. There is an insulator between the panes of glass. It's called different things. Um, one of the most common types, if it looks like sort of like a black rubbery strip, it's called swiggle. And it. it breaks down and it lets some moisture in from, uh, from the outside. And that moisture condenses inside the glass. And that's why it looks kind of foggy and cloudy and nasty like.
0: All right, well, thank you. I Somebody told me that it could be because we power washed our windows.
2: I no, no, no. No, no, you didn't do again. it.
1: <laughs> nope, <laughs> you didn't do it. Just normal wear and tear.
2: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, Kathy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Sure, Kathy feels better now knowing that she yeah. didn't cause her windows to fail.
2: <laughs> and, it, you know, it happens like without rhyme or reason. We have a window that we put in five years ago when we bought the house. And it's one of the windows. It's like a full panel of casement windows. Right. And one of them has a failed.
1: And all the others are fine. All the others
2: are fine. Yeah. We're going to talk to Bill in Maryland now, who's in the market for a new home. How can we help you?
3: I'm thinking about buying a modular home. I was just trying to weigh the differences between a modular and a stick-built home. Okay, And that would be in three different categories. One would be cost, the next would be structural integrity, and then the third being resale. And I was mm-hmm. just wondering if you guys could help me out on that.
1: Well, I think, first of all, that modular homes can be as well-built, if not better built, than conventional stick-built homes. The reason for that bill is because they're constructed in a factory. In a controlled where, environment. Yeah, the quality is totally controlled. You know, they're uh, they're going to manufacture the wall exactly exactly. To what it needs to be without having to worry about weather and and material fluctuations and things of this nature. You know, those modular companies also have, you know, very good buying power because they're just buying a lot of lumber all at the same time, not just one house at a time, but, you know, tens and hundreds of homes at a time. So I think the quality is really quite good. Great.
2: And as far as resale value, I think you know modern home buyers are really open to a good quality home good construction energy efficiency and if the home offers all of that i i don't think it matters to them if it's modular or stick built as long as it meets the criteria for energy efficiency you know carbon output are we being environmentally conscious i think it really does make you know a good effort if the home is just well put together regardless of how it's built
1: and, Bill, I can tell you after being a home inspector for 20 years that very many times I would inspect homes and I'd be the first one to tell the prospective home buyer that it was a modular home. They'd have no idea because it's just not that obvious.
3: Okay. Well, great. That helps a lot. I right, appreciate
1: Bill. it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: I just like the idea of knowing that my subfloor wasn't like sitting out in a rainstorm for a month. Yeah, months.
1: absolutely.
2: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Now you can be part of the Money Pit by calling in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at one 888 Pit.
1: 888-666-3974. Up next, before winter comes and you need to seal the house for the cold weather ahead, why not take some time to freshen up your whole house by steam cleaning your carpets? We're going to have a few tips for a job done right, right after this.
3: This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Behr Premium Plus Ultra Interior Paint and Primer in One with Advanced
2: NanoGuard Technology, designed to not only help you save time but also preserve your home's interior finish. For more information, visit behr.com. That's B-E-H-R.com. Behr products are available exclusively at the Home Depot.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT with your home repair, your home improvement question, and you've got a chance to win a great prize. We are giving away this hour a $50 prize package from American Trade Products. And in that prize pack, we've got 100% biodegradable and recyclable paint trays and accessories. And they're all made with a breakthrough material called earth plastic, which is made from recycled water bottles. We know you're out there drinking them, so go ahead and recycle them, and eventually it'll get back in your hands as a paint tray. And one lucky caller is going to win this great green prize if you give us a call at one 888 Pit 888-666-3974.
1: Well, if you got a full house like I do, you know that kids and pets and family traffic can lead to some pretty dingy-looking carpets very quickly. Fortunately, though, it's not that hard to steam clean your carpets. This is something that you can do at least once a year to keep your carpets looking new and smelling fresh, and it'll help them last longer as well. You can rent a steam cleaner at your local home center or even at a supermarket right near your house.
2: Mm-hmm. If you do go ahead and rent it, you just want to make sure that you get the right amount and the right type of clean fluid to go with the machine that you're using. And keep in mind that if you've got pet odor issues, there's also very specific pet solutions available out there. You just want to read and follow the directions carefully. You might even consider getting the upholstery attachment for your hard-to-reach areas or your furniture and the stairs. It will be super duper helpful. And you may even want to go over extremely dirty areas more than once to get the results that you're looking for. Remember, a little hard work is going to go a very long way in keeping your home feeling and looking fresh. And considering we're about to close up those windows very shortly and stay inside all the time, this will be very, very helpful to keep your nose happy.
1: (laughs) Good point. 888-666-3974. Who's next?
2: Bill in California needs some help with a flooring situation. What can we do for you today?
0: Hi, I'm in a wheelchair, electric wheelchair, and uh, I am constantly twisting and turning and going back and forth, getting up to my desk. And I've tried all types of of different rugs and everything and I keep wearing them out hmm. and I'm wondering uh what I'm doing wrong or what uh what type can I put in there or
1: what should I do? Well, carpet is not your best choice. Uh, for Especially
2: one with a pile of sorts. You probably yeah. want something that's like a super tight nap mm-hmm. rather than a pile to get over more easily.
1: And even if you did have that, I think it's, it's really going to be uh, uh, not stand up well to the, to the punishment of that wheelchair. Um, what we would recommend is a hard surface. I mean, if you use something like a laminate floor or an, enge- an engineered hardwood, with a very, very durable finish, I don't think you'll ever wear it out, and it'll be very, very easy to maneuver. That's smooth. And there's so many advances in that type of hard surface flooring, Bill, that it really can look quite attractive. I mean, you can get laminate floor that looks just like hardwood. If you want to have some carpets, just use some throw rugs, some area rugs that you can replace from time to time. But I would not recommend wall-to-wall carpet.
0: That sounds like a good idea.
1: Bill, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: Now
2: we're going to head over to Delaware to chat with Teresa. What can we do for you today?
3: Um, I've got a a wall of mirrors in my home, and I was wondering what the best way was to remove them.
2: Oh, and are they like floor to ceiling, super giant, glued on, as impossibly glued as possible?
3: Well, I, I'm not sure. Um, they've got, uh, they're in pieces and um, they, there are these little, they look like little rosettes that may be holding them on and I'm, I'm kind of afraid to even attempt to, to remove them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it can be somewhat dangerous. We can give you um, one trick of the trade and that is that sometimes the professional mirror companies, what they'll do is they'll actually run a wire behind that and try to get the wire between the mirror in between the wall and pulling to sort of it down. slice
2: the adhesive.
1: Yeah. And generally what it does is strips the adhesive off the wall and almost always takes some of the paper of the drywall with it. So you have quite a bit of repair work to be done, but it beats breaking the mirrors up. However, if you do this, you got to be really careful. You got to have safety glasses. You got to have gloves because the mirror could break at any time.
2: Mm-hmm. And use like a clear contact paper or some sort of contact paper across the face of the mirror so that if it does break, it doesn't go like shattering everywhere. It's sort of just breaks but sticks to the paper and sort of falls off in one piece if it does but those rosettes that you describe in the corner Teresa those could really simply just be holding like a sheet mirror to the wall because that's generally what those are used for so look at those rosettes see if there's a screw in it are they nailed in if you removed it does the mirror sort of back away from the wall you know start with the corner and see what happens before you get all crazy
1: all
3: right Oh, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: Bannon, Massachusetts has a leaky roof and is wondering about mildew. Tell us what happened. Is it still leaking? What's going on?
0: Yes, Tom and Leslie. I have a little problem with a, a shed roof. Okay? okay. I intend to get it repaired very shortly. But the stain has come in through inside the house. Okay. See what is all stained. Now, how can I detect if I have any mildew or. Uh, uh, well the mold. first
1: thing Ben is to get the leak fixed because if you don't get the leak fixed then you could definitely be growing uh, some mildew or some decay uh, in between the roof and, and the ceiling But if you get the leak fixed and you dry it out then all those decay organisms essentially stop deteriorating your, your wood
3: Well is there any way of
0: telling if I do have mold without all the molds
1: uh, now? I would worry more about getting it getting it fixed so it doesn't leak anymore and not so much about what's happening in a place that you can't get to and can't see.
3: Okay, so basically you could smell mold, correct?
1: Well, you, you, you sometimes you can, but if you dry it out, then the decay organisms can't deteriorate your wood. In your case, I'd be more worried about the structure than anything else. You see, if wood gets 25% mo- uh, moist, then the decay organisms wake up and start to eat away at the wood, and that's how you get rotted roof rafters and rotted roof sheathing. So you got to fix this leak so that 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 stops happening. Right. Okay. Sounds great. All right, Ben. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Joan in Colorado
2: is dealing with the painting situation. What's going on?
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Tom and Leslie. About four years ago, we had the outside of our house painted, and now I've noticed from last summer and also this
3: year uh, the. Chip, uh, paint is chipping off the foundation uh, because they also, you know, they painted the foundation along with the
0: siding, and it's taking off a layer of the concrete from the mm. f- foundation. Okay. And so I, we really don't know what to do, whether we should repaint the foundation or basically my husband would love to just get rid of the paint on the foundation, but, mm-hmm. again, we have that problem of the concrete. Chipping off with the paint.
1: Well, uh, probably what's happening is the paint is separating from the from the concrete foundation, and the reason it's doing that is because of the moisture. Yeah, the concrete is very hydroscopic, Joan. It soaks up an amazing amount of water. And they probably used the same paint they used on the house and the foundation, which was the wrong thing to do. Rather
2: than using a masonry paint.
1: Yeah, correct. So I think that what you might want to do is try to get off all the loose paint you can on the foundation. And then I would prime it again and do this on a really, really dry day. Make sure it's primed. Yeah,
2: let it dry for a couple of days. Like mm-hmm. wait okay. until that foundation is as dry as it can possibly be. Take yep. two, three days dry weather
1: prime it, use an oil-based primer, you'll have the best adhesion, and then you can put a top coat of foundation paint, masonry paint over that. You could have the paint tinted, so perhaps your husband can get a different color if that's what he's trying to to go for, you know, maybe go back to the gray color. It doesn't matter. What about
2: patching any of the concrete that sort of chipped off with the paint with an epoxy compound?
1: Yeah, if you have chips or holes, you can patch it, and, and as Leslie said, use an epoxy patch material for that. Oh, okay. Right. Well, thank you critical, very much. It's not critical; it's more cosmetic. Okay, Joan.
0: Okay. Well, thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Sally and Georgia's got a water problem at her house. It's causing her house to sink. What's going on?
3: Um. Actually, the water is standing underneath my house, and um, every time it rains, you can tell the yard starts to fill, and then we look under the house, and it's full. And um, the house is, is well, it was built in the 30s, so it's up on bricks. And we could tell that there was cracks in the bricks starting to appear. And um, we had some come in and take measurements, and apparently the floor is all out of level. And so the house is sinking. And no one will come in and fix the house from sinking until we solve the water problem. So we're trying to figure out how to get the water from underneath the house.
1: Mm. Does the water uh, only accumulate after heavy rainstorms, or does it seem to be there all the time?
3: Anytime time it rains. It doesn't have to be a heavy rain. It can be a light rain. Okay. Any amount well, of water. Then
1: we need to trace how the water is getting from the sky to under your house. And typically that happens because it's not being managed properly, either right at the house or around the house. For example, do you have Sally gutter systems on the entire house?
3: No, there's right. no gutter
1: Well, that would be part of the problem right there. In fact, that might be the entire problem. You need to collect the water at the roof's edge. You need to run it down down downspouts, and you need to extend those spouts well away from the foundation perimeter. If you're going to allow the roof to spill the water right at the side of the house, it's going to run right back under the house, and it's going to erode a lot of bricks along the way. So you need to get gutters on the house, and, and once you do that, I think you're going to see a dramatic difference mm-hmm. on the amount of water that's collecting.
2: And I think if you also look at the grading, it's possible that somewhere along your property, you've got you know maybe a higher area that's forcing the water to go right towards your house. So if you Everything can sort of make the
3: areas higher,
2: <laughs> yeah, make it so that that is lower, and the water will go away from your house. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: She sounded desperate, but it's not that bad.
1: No, I mean, we hit the nail right on the head when we asked her if she had gutters. And I mean, if you don't have gutters, you're going to flood. I mean, that's a house waiting for a flood without gutters. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. And one of the solutions to the dirty, dingy places in my house is a pressure washer. It's one of my favorite tools, because once you get started with it, you never want to stop. We're going to tell you exactly what you need to know to use one on your house after this. making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And this is a great time of year to do some of those outdoor chores like pressure washing your deck, your patio furniture, or even your siding. Now, if you don't own a pressure washer, you can rent them by the day at your local home center. But there is a right and a wrong way to use this tool. The best thing to do is to let the soap solutions do the work. At close range, a pressure washer can actually damage siding. It can drive water deep into walls where it can cause mold problems. And it can splinter the wood on your deck as well. So remember to use a good quality soap solution with it. They have mildecide solutions as well if you're trying to get rid of moss and mildew on siding, for example. And make sure you saturate the area, let that sit for a while. Don't just try to blast off the dirt, let the soap do its work, then gently rinse off using as light a setting as possible, all the dirt and the debris on whatever surface that you are trying to clean. You know, with a bit of finesse and without being too overly aggressive with your pressure washer, you're going to get some really great results and it'll really spiff up the way your outside looks for the fall.
2: Now, if you're like me and getting very, very tired of borrowing your neighbor's pressure washer, (coughs) I'm always borrowing my neighbor's pressure washer. I'm super duper thankful, but I'm getting to the point where I definitely want to buy my own. So if you want to buy your own pressure washer, we are going to have some great shopping tips for you in our next Money Pit e-newsletter. It's absolutely free and comes to your inbox every single week. So sign up now for some great information at MoneyPit.com. 888-666-3974.
1: Call us right now if you've got a fall cleanup question, because we are here to help.
2: Mark in Arizona is dealing with an odor at his place of business. What can we help you with?
0: Well, we've owned the business for 11 years, and the whole time we've owned the business, the building that it's in has always had a smell only in the summertime, never in the winter. And it's always been like a sewer smell, like you would smell like a like you, the vent, the smell that would come out of those vent pipes that come out of the out of your house, right? And we can, and I tried. Like there's two of them in the there's two bathrooms, so there's two vent pipes going up and out of the out of the building. And I tried extending because it's only on one side of the building we have the smell. So mm-hmm. I tried extending that pipe, thinking because it was coming over the air, the wind coming over the building was blowing it into the air conditioner unit and putting it inside the building. Right. But that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was wondering maybe if there was something that could be done to, you know, that, would, that would make that smell go away.
1: Generally speaking, when you have a sewage odor issue, there's a problem with a trap. And the trap is uh, the, part, the curved part of the pipe that basically holds water inside of it so to it won't stop, let, those sewage you know, stop gases the gases from, coming out. from leaking back out. Now, um, do you have any kinds of showers or anything of that, is it, or is it just what's in the bathroom itself?
0: It's just a sink and a bath, uh, toilet. Sink and sink a
1: toilet? Mm-hmm. I wonder if you've got a broken vent pipe somewhere in the wall. Can you see the vent pipe all the way up and out, the way your building is designed?
0: Uh, you can see some of it. I don't know if you can see all of it. I tried looking at that a year or so ago, and we tried different things, and we just never can resolve it. And it's only in the summertime. It's never in the winter, that's, which is strange. It gets really hot here, like right. 120 degrees. Hot. Right, so I'm thinking it has something to do with that. Obviously, that versus the winter, you never get it.
1: Right. Well, here's what you might want to think about doing. You could have a um, a pipe inspection done, uh, and the folks that are that usually do the drain cleaning, like Roto Rooter and that sort of thing, they have drain cameras that can actually run so they through these pipes. you don't have to disrupt pipes. anything. Yeah, without doing any demolition, and try to figure out where this disconnect is, because obviously that's what's going on. It, it's it's the trap is either improperly constructed, it's too shallow, it gets warm, the air drives out, something of that nature. But if it's happening um, inside the building cavity, that might be a good way to identify. Identify it without doing any demolition. All right, thank you. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Nancy in Colorado needs some help with carpeting. What
0: can we do for you? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, we have an outdoor carpet on a patio. Our home is uh, was built in the seventies,
1: mm-hmm. and I'd... it was popular back then, wasn't it, Nancy?
0: <laughs> I think maybe so. Not
1: such a good idea today, though.
0: No, I haven't even told my husband until I made the phone call that I was <laughs> no. even thinking about wanting
1: okay. to do it. Now the idea is out. How can we help?
0: Well, do you have suggestions on how to take it off the, the concrete?
1: Well, the slab? carpet comes off easy. It's the glue that doesn't come off so easy. And the easy.
2: remnants <laughs> of the carpet.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what you're probably going to end up doing here is taking the carpet off, getting scraping as much glue as possible off of that old slab. And then I would use an epoxy paint. And you can do a really good job painting a slab and have it look very, very attractive today. And that will kind of hide all of these sins. And in fact, there are some cool techniques where you can sort of paint the appearance of carpet or even tile. Yeah, or tile on, on slabs and have it look really attractive.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, aren't there I, um,
1: aren't there like stencils for that, Leslie?
2: Well, there are oversized stencils. I think the website's concreteresources.com and there's large stencils that you can get for an entire you know, concrete patio that will help you. But you can mm-hmm. lay out a tile pattern with tape and you can use the grayness of the concrete or even you can paint a gray base coat, let that dry to create a grout line. And then you can create a beautiful terracotta look tile. Oh, that I mean, sounds there are great. ways to do it as long as you get. Proper concrete paint and prep the surface properly, you can really make something very, very attractive.
1: Okay, well, thanks for your encouragement. I appreciate it. You're that. welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: Well, are you looking to add a little glamour to that boring bath? Then the right lighting fixture is your solution. We are going to tell you how to bring high drama to your bathroom next.
3: 888 Money Pit.
1: making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: And this is where home solutions live. If you pick up the phone and call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, you could win a $50 prize package from American Trade Products. It's 100% biodegradable and recyclable paint trays and accessories made with a breakthrough material called earth plastic. It's made from recycled water bottles, so it's pretty green and can help you get your next painting project done. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT.
2: Alright, well give us a call if you're looking to make your bathroom a much nicer place within your money pit. Now, the right lighting can really make a huge difference in your bathroom. So why be bored in your bath? Why not try something unexpected? For example, your bathroom, it's the last place that you would expect to see a high glamour, gorgeous chandelier. But whether you choose a chandelier that's a simple hanging pendant or even an ornate crystal, this really beautiful overhead fixture, when combined with a dimmer, can set the mood for a relaxing bath or shoot that dimmer all the way up and now you've got the perfect lighting for shaving, makeup, whatever you need to do that you need a lot of lighting for. It does make a huge difference. It's totally unusual and I promise you, it's gorgeous.
1: Personally, I don't like a lot of light in the morning.
2: Well, sometimes like you slide need Slide
1: into it. So the dimmer idea is a good one. <laughs> start low and kind of work up as your confidence As builds.
2: you're waking up.
1: <laughs> oh, 888-666-3974. <kinda> <inaudible> Call us right now. If you are not confident about your next home improvement project, we will restore that confidence, give you the tips, the ideas, and the inspiration to get the job done.
2: Joseph in New York is going to have a very chilly fall and winter with no insulation in his home. What's going on?
3: Yes, uh, we have a, a kind of an old house here. It's a uh... It's uh it's uh, has no insulation, it's a solid masonry building with no insulation, it has uh furring strips and uh wood lath and plaster on that. We were wondering if we put a rigid insulation over the plaster okay and then sheetrock that. Okay, so that that would take care of the fire problem. Mm-hmm. And um if if it would be uh if there would be any condensation problem.
1: No, I don't believe there would be. I mean that's a technique that's fairly common actually. Um let me think about this. Should you put a vapor barrier in? Yeah, you probably should put a vapor barrier in first.
3: Well, actually, the uh, material that I was using, the uh, thought of using, all, is already uh, encapsulated with the uh, foil on both sides.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah, well, that's that's isocyanurate foam insulation. Yeah, that should be fine. That shouldn't. Oh, you don't think be...
3: there'll be a problem with that? Huh? No, I Not don't think so.
1: No, you can oh, put that great, right against great. the masonry. You can frame around that, and then put drywall on top of that, and that'll seal it up quite nicely. Also, take a look at those windows and doors. If there's, this is also a good opportunity for you to think about, you know, replacing some of them that may be particularly drafty.
3: Oh yeah, that's, we're going to be doing that also. Yeah, the whole idea was uh, was uh, with the oil being the way it is, you know, we had to really do something here.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a good option. I appreciate it very much. All right, Joe. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Karen in California is hoping that her dryer will serve double purpose in her home this cool season. What can we do for you, Karen?
0: Well, yeah, I, along the lines of conserving heat slash money, is, is there any way to harness the heat from the dryer vent that just melts the snow in the winter uh, outside the house? But it's helping you shovel of- that area. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's bunny holes. I mean, somebody's benefiting. <laughs>
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, Karen, that's a good question, and it might seem like a logical question because why dump all that heat outside your house? Um, There actually have been over the years manufacturers that have designed these these damper-like devices that basically filter the air but sort of bypass the cleaned air back into the house. The problem with that is that it's not just hot air. It's hot air that's got a lot of water vapor in it. And when you dump all that water vapor back into your house, you cause all sorts of air quality issues, including mold. And that moisture that gets up into the attic space Ooh, eventually... Well, it just feels gross. Well, it kind of gets pretty damp. If that moisture gets up into the attic, because eventually a lot of that vapor pressure gets up there, then it also saturates your insulation. That makes that Which very Which won't work as well. So, so good question, but uh, not. there's no practical solution to it. Um, if you're concerned about conserving energy... I would start with a good energy audit. You know, the uh, the EPA website, uh, the energystar.gov website, has a great section on home energy audits. They've got home energy audits that you can do yourself, and then they've got referrals to find an actual order that comes in your house and looks for those kinds of areas where you can conserve some energy. So I don't think that that's a good way, a good place for you to start, though, for all those reasons.
0: Oh, okay. Well, the bunnies, I guess, will have
2: it. Good idea.
1: That's right. <laughs> all right, Karen. Let
2: the bunnies enjoy their heat. Yeah,
1: Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: Going down to the basement with Stacy in New Jersey. How can we help?
0: I'm wondering if there's an alternative to running a dehumidifier all the time. Is there something that we can have installed that will vent to the outside? It's a finished basement, it just smells of uh, mildew all the time.
1: Sure. How is your house heated and cooled, Stacy? Do you have a, a forced air system?
0: Yes, we have central air and heat.
1: And what about the basement? Is that covered by the central air system? All right. Mm -hmm. Well, this is good then. What you can do is you can install what's called a whole house or a whole home dehumidifier. It actually gets installed into the HVAC system. And it runs 24-7 to maintain the proper humidity, not only in the basement, but throughout Throughout the the entire house. house. Mm -hmm. And it
2: even, Stacey, will kick on more often within the basement zone where you end up with the most moisture. And I think in tests, it removed 90 pints of water a day. One of the products, um, one of the whole home dehumidifiers from a company called April Air.
0: April Air? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, AprilAir.com. Now, the other thing that you can do, Stacy, is to take some steps to reduce that humidity by looking outside your house and making sure your gutters are clean and free flowing and that the grating around the house slopes away from the walls. Because typically, basements get really humid because they have poor drainage conditions around the outside that allows the water to sort of saturate the foundation and then that water evaporates into the basement. So it's really a two step process. Outside, you can improve the grating and drainage so you try to keep it as dry dry as possible. And then inside, add a whole home dehumidifier and you'll find that the home gets real dry and real comfortable very quickly.
0: Oh, perfect. That sounds good. Well, thank you very
1: much. You're welcome, Stacy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT.
0: Well, if you're looking to
2: add more space to your money pit, is prefab a good way to go with your addition? We're going to answer that next.
3: You're in a money pit.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, when you're listening to the Money Pit, did you ever think, oh my God, I just missed that super important piece of information? I don't have a pen. How am I going to write it down? I'm never going to remember that product. Well, if that's been you at any point, no worries, friends. We've got a year's worth of past shows all available online completely for free at moneypit.com. They're totally free, as I said. They're downloadable, totally searchable. You will find whatever you missed and then some.
1: And while you're on moneypit.com, you can click on Ask Tom and Leslie, just like Steve did from Iowa, who says, I am looking to add a second floor to our ranch home. I wanted to get your opinion on using a modular home company as opposed to a builder or contractor. Steve, a uh, good question. First of all, in general, modular homes versus stick-built homes, I'm a big fan of modular homes because they're factory-built, so they can control the quality. They don't have, weather is not an issue as the home is being assembled. Plus, they can get built a lot quicker once they get to your site because they're already sort of in chunks. Now, in terms of adding a second floor to your home, I'm actually not aware that that's available as a modular unit. So if it is in your area, not that familiar about it, except to say that assuming it's available and it in fact is completely factory built, there's nothing to be afraid of from that perspective because you do have a level of quality control that you wouldn't have in the field.
2: All right. Next up, we've got one here from Wayne who writes, I have a concrete pad in my backyard that's 12 by 22. The previous owner had a large shed on it. I will be installing a 12 by 10 shed on the existing pad and for the remainder of the exposed concrete, I want to dress it up. Can I put pavers over the concrete? What other options do I have besides pavers to dress up the concrete? And I want to put a patio set on the remaining exposed concrete.
1: Well, you certainly can put pavers on top of the concrete. Well, now, that
2: a step down or a door issue?
1: No, I mean, as long as it's, um, you know, you got to obviously, I'm assuming he's going to put those down before he builds the shed.
2: So put the pavers completely down then
1: the shed on top. Yeah, I would. I'd even actually create a bit of a curb and put the shed on top of the curb and then paver up to that. Mm -hmm. So that's clearly something that you can do. But you can also take this concrete slab and turn it into sort of a painted patio.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of options Wayne when you start thinking about it there's acid staining which previously was kind of a do you know a pro only project I mean those who did venture to do it themselves some did great and some got mixed results um, Quickrete, however now has a do-it-yourself acid staining kit for the outside it's available in three colors sort of a copper an ochre and a green it's beautiful. You can also paint. Make sure you get paints made specifically for concrete. Do a beautiful pattern. Make it look like tile. Totally up to your imagination. Do some research online and you will create something that's absolutely unique and gorgeous.
1: Well, if you're bracing for a chilly and a costly heating season, there's one thing you can do right now to save a bundle when it comes to the heat you'll need for your home this winter. It's a fairly inexpensive project, and it's a good do-it-yourself job as well. Leslie's got info on how to install a programmable thermostat in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word.
2: That's right. A programmable thermostat is going to ensure that you don't play with the temperature all day long, and that's going to mean that you save money. So keep it at a steady temperature when you're in the house, and then you want to keep it set to about 55 degrees at night or when you're not at home, when you're away for long periods of time. This way, you'll have the heat come up automatically about an hour before before you wake and you won't freeze after your morning shower, which we all know nobody likes to do. And you can do the same thing just before everybody comes in for the evening. It's super convenient. It's going to save you so much money and energy. You're going to wonder why the heck you didn't install one sooner. It's an easy project. So go out there and get yourselves one.
1: Coming up next week on The Money Pit, it's the time of year to check your house for leaks and to button it up. We're going to tell you how to track down the sneakiest leaks, the ones that you can't see but collectively are adding up to huge holes in your wall through which your heating dollars escape on the next edition of The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Remember, you can do it
2: yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.